Hello, welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. Today, we're going to speak about bravery and resilience. We're speaking to Danielle Wolfson, the first Israeli woman to climb 29,000 feet to the top of Mount Everest. And if that wasn't impressive enough, 10 years ago, she was told she would never walk again. And here are a few highlights of Danielle's amazingly inspirational story of her journey to Everest. Staying in hospital, I told to myself, I will show everybody, I will climb Everest. I didn't know anything about mountains. I didn't know anything about climbing. I never climbed before. I didn't think that I have an option to give up. Told me if I'm staying there, I will not wake up in the morning. Danielle Wolfson, you made history. You're the very first Israeli woman to climb Mount Everest. That alone is absolutely astounding. But you add to it the fact that 10 years ago, you were told you could never walk again. It's mind-blowing to me how you accomplished what you've done. Only three Israeli men have climbed Mount Everest. You're the very first woman. You were born in Russia. You're a mother, a wife, a daughter, and an attorney. And you climbed Everest. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. 10 years ago, you were in Bulgaria, you had an accident, and you were told you'll never walk again. Yes, exactly. Um, it was a very, um, this event, big influence on the future. It was from the lowest part of my life, I could go to the highest place in the world. So 10 years ago, I had a ski accident, and doctors told me that I couldn't go well, or I, if I would go, I would go go with some limited, very barely walking. If in the good situation to happen, so I was walking with some excess. And of course, I didn't want to accept it and I didn't want to live like that. Even in the hospital in Bulgaria, when I was lying there more than 10 days, I decided I wanted something. I wanted to have some vision. I didn't know anything about mountains. I didn't know anything about climbing. I never climbed before. I was playing tennis and when I was swimming, but never did some sports at running or triathlons or climbing. Lying in bed in Bulgaria when they told you you would probably not walk again. You needed a goal. Like you needed a goal to get a goal. Okay. So some people would say the goal would be, you know, a 5K, but you decided the goal should be to climb 29,000 feet to the top of Mount Everest. So take us through that mindset. Obviously, you learned to walk again. How did you train your body to climb Mount Everest? Staying in hospital, I told to myself, I will show everybody, I will climb Everest. I didn't know how to do it, if it's possible, but I knew that's the highest point in the world. That's all what I knew. I know I knew that there's somewhere in Asia, in the highest point in the world and it's something big. And I started and rehabilitation and it took a long time. I did a lot of uh, PT, teach me again how to walk and it was like a baby steps. It's not happens in one day. I wanted that in one day I will, and it didn't happen. And it also didn't happen after six months. And it also didn't happen after a year. And also in my mind, I didn't want to accept the situation. What kept you going? What was the influence in your mind? Yeah, at the beginning, it wasn't mindset. I did the beginning, I all the time asked why it happened to me, how I can continue, if I can go, if I can walk. I didn't want to accept it. After almost more than two years, I decided to change when I was uh, registered to some night run in Tel Aviv. Yeah. 
I didn't run. I was walking barely, but I wanted to feel like everybody. Finished it after almost four hours. 10K was, but I wasn't even walking. I was barely walking and it was in the night and I was so ashamed. But when I finished, I understood something happened inside me and I understood that it's possible. The competition is with me. And you know, there is a, some sentence from one of the a very famous climbers, say Anatoly Bukrev. He told that there is no competition between people. In the mountains, there's competition between me and the mountain. There is no competition between people. It's me, only me. It's my competition with myself. I decided that everything possible. In my way, but everything possible. Russians are notoriously focused and driven and disciplined. Did that play into your mindset? Of course. I born in Russia and I received a Russian discipline. My mother is a very tough woman. She was never satisfied from anything. It was never enough. It doesn't matter what happens and how it happens. Even I will bring the best in to succeed. It doesn't matter. It's never enough. You never give up. And if you give up, it's like zero. You didn't succeed in anything. Doesn't matter if you did all the way, but you gave up 10% at the end. No, it cannot be. And this discipline, I thought many, many years that it was a big damage for me because I was all the time criticized myself all the time. I was never satisfied of the situation when I am. It doesn't matter that I graduated with honor in, in school and after that BA law school in two degrees. It doesn't matter. Never enough. And even when I grow up, you know, grow, it was already by myself become a mother. I all the time was criticized myself. Are you happy with yourself now? It's complicated. I, I'm not satisfied for myself. I want more. People asking me, okay, Everest, what is after? It's never enough. It's something more. I need to prove to myself all the time and to take myself to this extreme situation to show to myself that I can. I can do and I can do in the best way. The Russian family history and your, obviously your mother has influenced your perspective on life. But if you step back, you did climb Mount Everest. You spent two months at base camp going up and down eight times. I mean, I've read your file. It's unbelievable what you've done to your body and to the very top of Mount Everest, looking down on the world. And still, that doesn't feel like enough for you. Talk to us about the actual climb. Like, what did you go through? Tell us about the window of opportunity. Tell us when you got to Nepal, what happened? Can you walk us through that? First of all, the expedition to Everest, it's two months. It's flight to Kathmandu. Kathmandu is uh, in Nepal. Kathmandu, you are flying by a helicopter to Lukla. And from the Lukla, it's the altitude, I will tell in meters, it's 2,880 meters. So you go, you starting the trek. Trek, you are going base. I read even the helicopter flight in was dangerous. Yes, it's very dangerous. It's the most dangerous airport in, in the world. We flew there and arrived to Lukla. And from Lukla, we are starting trek. You're going every day between six hours, five hours, and you're climbing like 500 meters, 600 meters. So you're already starting climatization. When you arrive to base, altitude of the base camp is 5,350 meters. So from then you start your really expedition. Base camp is becoming actually home one month and a half for five, 45 days, new home. Acclimatization is getting your body ready for the lack of oxygen as you climb. Is that what exactly. it means? Exactly. So from base camp to, to the summit, it's only 76 kilometers. If you walk it, you can do it in 15 hours, one five. But our body cannot live on these heights with these altitudes. That's why it needs time. So we teaching our body acclimatizes for these altitudes, like how you do it, like you use a mountain. You go up and going down. You go a little bit more up 
and going down. You go a little bit more, more, more up and going down. And you're like, you are teaching your body to be at this altitude because otherwise, if you are not teaching the body, my body can die. My body cannot be on this altitude. It's impossible. So you need to be have a good acclimatization in order to do that. And you do like a baby steps. You're doing three steps forward and five steps back. Mentally, it's not easy. You are actually going up, but you need to go down because physically, everybody came ready physically. But during the expedition, mentally, people didn't prepare themselves. I knew I'm not going to give up. And I Things that this came from the Russian discipline. When I, people started to give up, decided not to continue, I didn't think that I have an option to give up. I knew that I have a mission and I need to finish my mission. To this expedition, it's my mission and I'm going to finish it. And, and I didn't think what will happen in two months or what will happen in one month. I only was concentrated on everyday mission. Today, I need to go to Camp 1, five hours. Camp 1, that's my mission. I didn't think what is going to be tomorrow or day after tomorrow. And when you are doing it in baby step and concentrated on something and giving 100 percent for that mission that mission for that this day there's a big chances to receive to reach the summit also in the life like that we need to do it like that not to think what will happen in two years three years it's okay to put the goal but to concentrate on the small baby steps missions I, i'm telling small efforts like small efforts every day to concentrate on that and progress you go back and forth to base camp camp one camp two is it dangerous during climbing there's a plan but this plan can be changed in every minute because we are inside the nature to be on the mountain and like russian people speaking i was in Russian expeditions are telling that mountain can allow you to go to the summit and mountain should release you to go down. It's a mountain. We are guests on, in this place. So everything can happen. All this expedition, it's very tensive situation. First of all, from base camp, you need to go to ice glacier named Kumbu. Kumbu is, is the most dangerous glacier in the world. This glacier, it's like a person. He has his own character. All the time is moving. All the time there is an avalanche. All the time change things, things change and it can become that some parts of ice you can fall down and you cannot continue. So all the time you're concentrated. Small mistake, it can bring bad situations. Did you worry that you would die on Everest? First of all, before the expedition, if the person that's going to climb Everest understands that Everest is more important than his own life, only in that way he can go and try to summit it Everest. I wrote a letter to my son before the expedition and I gave it to my sister. If something could happen, I asked for my sister to give this letter to my son. Everything can happen and I knew that there's a big chances that everything can happen. Once I decided to go to climb Everest, I knew that I'm going to do it and to do that mission and to try to complete that mission. I didn't think about this. I knew that everything can happen. I decided to do it and I'm going till the end with that decision. Things can happen. And Mount Everest, there is a mountain, there is more than 100 bodies still there and more than 300 people died during their chances to go to summit and going down. How it works when you're moving up to base camp one, two, and three. And there's, I think, a specific window of opportunity to climb. There is a one window in the whole year there's a one window. Statistically, it happens like third week of May, like from 19 May till 25 May. So in that way, days, we need to be acclimatization, very good acclimatization and to be ready to summit. In that season, it was very bad weather and there is a sun cyclone came from India and no, nobody expected because this cyclone coming in at the beginning of June and it became at the May. Nobody accepted it. So we, when we started to do summit push, the last leg after acclimatization to go to the summit, we stuck in Camp 2 at a 6,500 height and there was six days there waiting for the weather. The weather wasn't good when also when we summited, uh, but we decided to try, our leader of the expedition decided to try and we go out when it was a very wind, more than 50 kilometers per hour wind and the, the weather was also minus 40 degrees. It was like a try. Nobody knew if we can reach and we can go, but it was the best like a weather from all weather that can be after 
or can be and was before. You are in is a climber, you know. I'm telling you that climber uh, people that climbing have a, a very big ego. Sometimes you understand that it can be very dangerous, but you want to finish your mission and want to stand on the summit. So it's like a paradox. From one way, you understand it in the mind that it can be very dangerous, but from other side, you are two months here already and you want to try to do it. We tried it and decided to try. We stayed only five people from our expedition. We started 12 people, but they stayed five people and our leader decided that we can go on the day, even the bad weather, and we will do all our efforts in order to reach the summit. And the, during we are the summit day, there is a body. It's something that known. There is, you are going over the bodies that they it's a frozen body of a previous expedition and you you stepped over these bodies to summit. Exactly. A Mount Everest is very egoistic mountain and very solistic mountain. You are not thinking about this body. You are not thinking, oh, it's so, what happened? You're, you are only thinking about yourself. I thought only about myself and I thought only how I am not staying there with that body. A lot of articles that written that Mount Everest is very egoistic mountain. You are even on the Everest after 8,000 meters. Everything changed. You're only thinking about yourself, only thinking thinking how to survive. You're only thinking how to reach your goal and to go down. And you're not thinking about anybody. You're not helping to anybody and nobody also will help me. It's like something different that happens. So is that a survival mechanism that kicks in to keep you alive? Exactly. Survival mechanism and the, like you all know, I was standing in the line. There is a line. For the summit, there is a line. And I was seeing people standing in the line for four hours in the line. In that day, 100 people, climbers, that wanted to try to reach the summit. And people like was standing like an animals. Everybody with himself or there's no speaking with anybody and everybody's standing and only taking care of himself and it's okay it's okay because I also behave like that I didn't expect that somebody will help me or I will help to somebody I only was thinking that I will as I told you before there's a cyclone from India came and we stuck six days in camp two it wasn't planned to stay there six days and it's it's not good for the body for the health to stay at this altitude 6,500 meters we stuck there because the situation was or to go down also there was no possibility to go down because there's a lot of snow uh, go out and uh, we very windy or to go up but there's no weather to go up so we stuck there and I become very ill I have a uh, throat problems and I have like very sick I didn't sleep I didn't eat I didn't drink I didn't I was in illusion and the situation to finish the expedition so to go down and that's all you were sick to the point where you weren't eating and you were hallucinating obvious choice was to go back down and not climb the, to the summit but that's not what you chose to do exactly I after that people ask me if it was right this but you never know on the mountain you are not thinking rationality you are thinking about only how you want to reach the summit I was very ill I knew that I have no power I'm very weak and I didn't eat anything I couldn't eat I, day after day I understood that I'm become weaker and weaker because when you're sitting on this mountain even you are not doing anything on this altitude it, the body becomes very weak the leader of the expedition decided that after six days that we will go to the camp tree I was very slowly going I arrived to the camp tree after every, everybody two hours after I understood in my head that every step that I am doing it brings me to the summit. In my head I decided that all pains and all weakness I take it out from now. I'm not concentrating on that and I'm concentrating only on my steps. I understood that bring me to the summit. Took everything that it was not good for me and can all these thoughts outside. I didn't allow to my body, to my head to think about this like uh, illness and other things. In the mind I decided but the body was very weak. You said climbing Mount Everest is 80% mental and 20% physical. So you were 
overcame that challenge. You get to the top. Are you logistically, are you by yourself? Are you with a Sherpa? Like, are you carrying your own oxygen? How does it work logistically? Logistically, all expedition together with a team leader and with, but on the last leg, there is a Sherpa with every climber and everybody separately. Like you are not only, you're already not speaking with the other a climber, but you cannot, like everybody concentrated on himself and his Sherpa. Sherpa is taking also oxygen to the way down. He's also taking in his day pack additional oxygen for way down. Also in that season, you know, this season was a COVID. Sherpa is the people that living in Nepal. It's like a tribe and they are living in Nepal in altitudes, in the heights. So they are using to be in the high heights. They are using to go to the mountain from the very small age. They are carrying and taking things and they know that they are very happy person. But they didn't understand COVID. They didn't understand that something happens in their body and they didn't understand what on high altitude they can be in the mountain but their body very weak have a fever throat pains something inside the lungs and they didn't understand that we started with our expedition with 37 Sherpa and on the summit day it was only 5 Sherpa and also they were very sick and it was very hard for them also not only for participants it was not easy for anybody and my Sherpa actually died in camp 4 what happened? Corona and he was very sick and he wanted to go to the summit wanted to finish his mission because it's his job and this money they are accepting it's going to be for whole year for the family and he didn't understand that there is a COVID that attacked him and when he, he came back to the camp for he just died and you know everything what happens after 8,000 they stayed there so other Sherpas took his body and covered with a tent and put uh, some stone and his body stayed there forever that's what happens in this season it was four people that died in this season Mount Everest took only four people and I'm t- telling that there's took four because there's years that it took more cemetery of the body on Mount Everest everything can happen and I knew that everything can happen and I understood it before I understood it during the expedition but I didn't think about it I only thought about mission how I complete my mission you got to the top of Everest with this Sherpa who later died what did it feel like 50 meter 50 50 50 meter before the summit there is the last body that you go over there's a man with all equipment like food and body and also gloves and heads even with the oxygen with the day and he's he's lying there when I came to the summit it was like a paradox from one side I'm standing on the highest point in the world and I understood that I became the first Israeli woman and from the other side I'm thinking how I will not stay with these men you know in the mountains the most important part is to go down that I reach to the summit it's not enough it's not like in marathon or Ironman. You finish, you cross the line, and you can do it like that. Oh, I finished. No, you go to the summit, you even cannot celebrate. The most dangerous part, people die when they are going down. And I understood that I need to go down. Only when I will arrive to the base camp, to the safe place, I can tell, wow. And there was on the summit, I was 20 minutes, and I was very apathetic. I didn't uh, smile. I didn't cry. I was only thinking how I'm going down and coming home and to see again my family, to see, uh, to hug my son. And the way down is very, very long way for me. It took me five days to come back to the base camp when other climbers already arrived and even go from base camp to helicopter to Kathmandu. I become very ill. I got, I also started hallucination. I spoke with the rope. Dehydrated? There's no oxygen going to the mine, so it become very small mine. I couldn't continue. There was a decision after the summit to go back to camp two. The team leader told when you are on the summit, in that day after summit, you need to go to camp two. 6,500 meters. And when I go down in camp four and I saw my Sherpa that died and after I need to go to the camp two, so I started to go and I only could reach to camp three, 7,300 meters. And I just decided that I cannot continue. I entered to the sum tent. There was nobody was in 
music camp, walkie-talkie, and I told to uh, team leaders I cannot continue. I just couldn't continue. It was night already. It was after 9, 9 p.m. And he told me, if I stay there, I will not wake up in the morning. Because you cannot be in that altitude. It's not good for the body. But I decided to stay and I told, I take responsibility for myself and stayed all night in camp three and only in the morning with the first light go down and I was, there are some places, there is a dangerous places, so there are some fixed rope. I spoke with the rope and I came to the camp too. And from that point, I need to go down to the base camp because there is no evacuation. There is no helicopter. There is nothing. I need to continue with by myself with my legs. So it's not enough to reach the summit. Very important and the most important thing that mountain will release and to bring me down. The journey is actually from base camp to summit and summit back to base camp. Did you pay a price for taking this experience on? Our body is very clever machine. When I arrived after that to Kathmandu and after that I came home, yes, it took time. It took time more than one month for rehabilitation. I understood that I'm very slow. I read the, even when I came back to my office, I read emails. It took me every email to read like an hour, my mind in slow motion, but our body is very clever machine. So it's like become better and better every day. And I think that I'm okay. You know, it already six months already after the summit. And the next week I'm going to a new expedition. It's Antarctica. You're going to climb a mountain in Antarctica. What's the message that you want to share with the world? When I arrived, many, many people wrote me and it was like divided like that, like men's wrote me uh, on some social uh, networks without a uh, hello Daniel how are you like wrote me my dream to climb Everest man but the woman wrote me differently they wrote me big achievement big success they told me because of you and that you did something that is not only men doing that it's like you opened a new something new that I, and that woman that wrote I decided to do something like to open the, some business that wanted or to go to promote it just now I think that my story allowed to many people to do things they maybe dream about it, these things but couldn't afford themselves not because of of for like insight that it's possible and I think that every person has his own Everest every day we have many many Everest my message is find your Everest and achieve your Everest because it's possible I did it against all chances and I did it and I'm a lawyer and as I told you I'm a mother I'm a lawyer and also I'm a climber and it's okay to combine we don't need only to concentrate on one thing we can do many things and also find our Everest Danielle your story is absolutely the definition of inspiration you are incredible against all odds you climbed the highest mountain in the world to your Russian mother I hope that she is as proud of you as I am it is incredible what you've done thank you so much for your time today thank you very much and maybe we'll next after Antarctica there was also very uh, extreme expedition and uh, it's a little bit different like we are going with a sled and more physical it's less higher but it's uh, with a sled physically and uh, maybe we can uh, meet after that and thank you very much for inviting we definitely will talk again after your next expedition thank you namaste namaste thank you for joining us this week on finding inspiration hey I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.